delivering all the news, the informed views, and just telling great motorsport stories since 2003. Powered by the Racetalk.com. This is On the Grid. G'day, everyone, and welcome to another episode of On the Grid here on mypodcasthouse.com or on the Radio Share Limited's RS1. Thank you for joining us. Tony Shebecki with you. We've got a big show coming your way very shortly. We're going to catch up with Richard Crowell and Mark Walker. A massive week in the past of uh, motorsport. We've got heaps to talk about, and we'll do that with those two guys shortly. Also, in a sec, we're going to hear from some of the V8 supercar drivers who have completed their final testing heading into next weekend's first round of the Supercar Championship at, of course, Newcastle, Newcastle 500. We're going to hear from Triple Eight Young Gun, Brock Feeney, as well as uh, have a listen to what Will Davison from Dick Johnson Racing, two-time Bathurst 1000 winner Will Davison, has to say about his car. We'll have a listen to uh, Newlon Racing's driver, James Golding, and also Matt Stone Racing rookie, Cameron Hill. We'll have a chat as well. All that to come right here on The Grid. You're listening to the latest from around the motorsport world. On the grid. All right, time to have a listen to what some of the drivers have said after their final test days heading into the Newcastle 500 next weekend. Of course, the brand new uh, Gen 3 era of supercars, and Newcastle will be the first race for those Gen 3 cars. The Chevrolet Camaros and the Ford Mustangs. All new vehicles, all new regulations. It's just going to be interesting to see how these cars handle it. Let's have a listen to what. Two-time Bathurst 1000 winner, Will Davison, thinks about the situation. Yeah, massive, uh, long sort of run sheet today, um, which is exciting. We have such a new product. Um, we've ironed out a couple of, you know, the little gremlins we had at shakedowns and, um, you know, everything's running, you know, really well for us. So we're just throwing lots of pre-planned changes at the car, um, which is exciting. So uh, we have so much we need to learn about this car. You know, if we can get through half of that today, it would be great. Um, we have Newcastle coming up, um, so we, we're not just focused on Queensland Raceway. We're obviously very mindful of the challenges that lay ahead in Newcastle. Well, right and fast, um, sounds good to me. But uh, obviously, you know, it's a very complex sport. Um, we sort of nearly need to unlearn a lot of the past. Um, there are some carryover principles, but, you know, we have such a different tool here, not only aerodynamically, but mechanically. Um, we sort of need to relearn a lot of things. So um, obviously we need to understand the car. So we know when we go to all these range of circuits coming ahead, we've got a bit of an idea as to what does what. Um, but ultimately we, we, we need to be fast and we need to know what characteristics in the car we're looking for to go fast. So um, yeah, it's gonna be the story of the year. I think everyone's gonna learn as the year goes on, but obviously we just wanna make sure we get through the first round in reasonable condition. You know, I think Newcastle is going to be a baptism of fire for everyone. Um, of course, we want to be fast, but uh, we're going to have all sorts of challenges that we need to be mindful of there. Um, so looking forward to that, um, I would say, you know, all the four teams are equally being involved. Um, I've certainly drove the car a lot less than a lot of other drivers. Um, all the engineers were heavily involved. So no, it's definitely been a group, group effort. And I don't think we've had any advantage or have any extra pressure. Time to hear now from Newlon Racing driver James Golding. Yeah, it's fantastic um, to get in the car early on and ahead of a big season. It's great to get your eye in with a new car, but also a team that I know now. Um, coming in halfway through last year wasn't easy, but to have all the preparation and everything how you want it to be, uh, it's, it's definitely confidence boosting. Yeah, we're getting there slowly. It's, it's certainly not a quick process. Um, 
there's, there's always going to be something you want to get to, but I think we've ironed out all the main main things we need to know before Newcastle, and I think we'll be in pretty good seat. Yeah, it's, I think it's definitely going to shift. As, as you get further up, you always want to achieve more. Um, but this year, with the new car, we really need to see where we're at come qualifying at Newcastle and, and assess it from there. Uh, we want to just try and get some really consistent results up the front this year, and I think if we do a good job, we can certainly be on the podium. And like the new cars, new drivers, and someone who is making his debut in the supercar field for the first time as a full-time driver is Matt Stone Racing rookie Cameron Hill. Yeah, I'm really excited to be here at Queensland Raceway having our last test day, our final prep before Newcastle. Uh, the day's running well, car's running uh, quite smoothly. A lot of things to get through. Obviously, we had limited running at Sydney, so we really want to get a lot done today. Yeah, for me, it's all just about building up. Every time I go out there, just sort of creep up. You know, there's no point going out there and trying to set the world on fire. So um, definitely feeling really comfortable with the team. They're a great bunch of guys and, um, you know, getting more and more uh, comfortable with the car. Wouldn't, would be lying if I said I wasn't nervous. So um, I'm really keen. I'm really looking forward to it. I'm sure when we um, put the helmet on for the first race, uh, I'll, be, I'll be loving it. So I'm really, really excited. And looking to continue his form from the end of last year into 2023 will be Triple Eight Racing Engineering Young Gun, Brock Feeney. Oh, no, nerves aren't setting in, just getting ready. Um, yeah, last day in the car, so I just want to make sure we, we nail everything in our plan today and make sure I'm super comfortable before we head to Newcastle. So it's come around quick, but we're certainly ready to go. No, uh, yeah, that's, that's the easy answer. Uh, it's, as you said, it's going to be wild. I mean... The track's pretty crazy, but taking these new cars there for the first time is going to be pretty hard work. So, I mean, we're all looking forward to it. I mean, at this point, it's sort of anyone's game. So, I feel like everyone's itching to go. Um, not really. You know, I feel like I've made a step up in myself towards just just learning throughout last year. I feel like I keep getting better and better. Um, obviously, finished last year good and, yeah, been leading in. has been going reasonably well. So, um, you know, I feel like myself, I'm, you know, hopefully can make a little bit of a step up this year. But... It's just about keep learning and you know, keep building what we did last year. So hopefully we can have a good start to the year and, and crack on for the rest of 2023. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be the craziest motor race probably ever. I mean, no one knows what to expect. Um, as a driver, it's going to be very hard work. But as a fan, as a punter, it's going to be a lot of fun. So um, if I was you, I'd be there. All right, there you go. We've heard from the supercar drivers about their machines that they take into Newcastle next week. It's now time to have a chat with the boys. There's more great motorsport stories coming next on The Grid. All right, time to catch up with the boys for a bit of a chat. There's plenty to cover off this week, so no interviews, just us, Richard Crow, Mark Walker. Hello to you two boys. Sorry about that, Chebex. How are you? Excellent. Thank you, mate. How are you, Richard? Oh, I'm, I'm super. Thanks, Excellent. Thanks, Mark, thanks how are you? Asking. I'm pretty okay as well. <laughs> this is uh, in stereo here. It is. I know. The two boys in the same room. I'm uh, unfortunately we, we really did try to get the uh, the live broadcast up and running, but you know did how hard we? it is to find a brewery well. that's open on a Tuesday. <laughs> well, that, that, to be fair, that is true. But if that, the see how amount of trying was, hey, we should try and do something live on the Tuesday night. Well, yeah, that's a great idea. Oh, that brewery is closed. That brewery is closed. No, that one's oh, too far away. Yeah. Oh, you got to get over the Westgate. Oh. And then we've ended up here. So but, as a um, result, you anyway. guys have gone to the uh, Brewery of Walker. Yes. Well stocked, it turns out. It just It's actually just reckless brewing. <laughs> they they home deliver to Melbourne. <laughs> Our friends up there in Bathurst. Yes. I, I've only found one decent brewery in the whole of Australia, mm. and it's in Bathurst. Mm. It's what their the satellite brewery. <laughs> Official Melbourne stockists. <laughs> 
of reckless. But hello to Jared and all the team up there at. Uh, well, they, they Piper really, they really should. Two A Piper Street Bathurst, yeah. isn't it? Has um, anyone, anyone found my hat yet? No. <laughs> Why aren't they sponsoring us? That's a good question. It is a good We've question. Done I'd more settle promo for, for free stuff from them. That would be all I would require. Anyway. Hmm. Uh, what's the news, boys? How did you go down in Tassie, Richard? Uh, Tassie was good. Shebexter, the opening round of the Shannon's Speed Series. Uh, I think we had a pretty decent weekend. Small fields, but there was plenty of uh, storyline to come out of it and some good racing. Um, yeah, a big, big crash. So that was unfortunate for some. Uh, fortunate for those managing social media looking for video views. Uh, unfortunate that everyone walked away from it. Um, Do we so want to talk good. about the crash now? We're we going to no, save we, it for... we'll, we'll, we'll roll into that. Yeah, um, okay. I thought TCR was pretty good racing. Um, they've got more cars coming and some good things. There were some really good announcements about that category made uh, at the event, which was cool. Um, S5000 was good. Trans Am, I, I think, proving to be box office already. And, and that series this year is just going to be off the chops with the level of, of competition in it. So, Really looking forward to seeing how that plays out. And um, Touring Car Masters had a challenging weekend with some small field, but there was still some entertaining stuff going on. So uh, overall, good crowd, just over 11,000 people over the three days. Good vibe. Weather was superb, better than it is here in Melbourne right now. Shebex, give you the hot tip. Be cool, isn't um, it? Actually, it's the freezing tip at the moment. Um, but yeah, it was... Um... This is sad, right, does it? I'm sorry. But... Wow. <laughs> Uh, no, good stuff, Shebex, and, and a good start to the weekend and, and the, the live broadcast on Stan Sport and the Nine Network was well-received. So I think it's uh, a positive start to the Shannon's Speed Series season. The old Trans Am, that was uh, pretty spicy. A lot of talking mm. points there. Obviously, James Moffat doing James Moffat things. He's a pro and, you know, in a different world, he'd probably still be a full-time supercar driver, but... Uh, went out there in a car that did really good things in the past and continuing to do really good things, even though he had to battle his way back past uh, uh, there in one of the later races where he missed the start, but um, he did really well. And you said the big crash, mm. Benny Grice, what a shocker. You know, he was just sort of wobbling there in the middle of the track with a car that was broken and got cleaned up by James Simpson. And that was really unfortunate stuff. So yeah. what, what, what are the thoughts on the, the crash boards? Because I had a chat to, uh, a couple of people, uh, Dave Stilwell being one, he was down at uh, Phillip Island. Uh, and we were talking, he, he said that he believed that there was nowhere that Gricey could go. And he wasn't, he was trying, he was off the racing line effectively and probably really wasn't to blame in any way for the crash at all. But it was just an unfortunate thing. And I, I suppose that's right. But I would have thought that he might have gone on the grass. Uh, yeah, it, it's difficult there. So the car broke a gearbox, Shebex, is what happened. Um, and, and Grassy went through two of them on the weekend. So uh, that's why the car was going slowly. And it happened coming into the final corner. So, you know, hindsight's a wonderful thing. And you can yeah. look back at it and go, probably could have just gone straight ahead to, to pit lane rather than coasting to a stop. But, you know, you're in the thick of the action, busy bit of the racetrack lots going on field around you. Um, and that, that's not what happened. He was off the racing line. It happened very quickly. There, there weren't any flags out. So there was no warning for anyone else. And, and it's difficult there. The flag points sort of on drivers left on the inside coming around the exit of turn six into turn seven. So you're James Simpson, you're wide and, and you're already offline and yeah. you're in the middle of a battle. He had someone on his inside, didn't exactly. he? So, 
yeah, it, it's unfortunate. It's just one of those things. And it, it resulted in two pretty trashed race cars, but uh, it showed how tough those Trans Am cars are. They both managed to uh, manage to walk away. Gricey was taken to Lonnie Hospital very briefly just for some precautionary checks, just in case, but he's uh, he's all good. So we'd be battered and bruised, but we'll walk on. So look, unfortunate, you're going to get that, aren't you, in, in, in yeah. competitive fields and where everyone's on top of each other like that. And it was just one of those things that Gricey's car was dead stick and had nowhere else to go. Good crowds, Carlsy. Yeah, 11,600 odd over the three days. So it was significantly bigger than last year. Um, really well promoted. And, and actually, tip of the hat to, to Rob Fares, who we all know from an industry point of view, he's the voice of Launceston Radio, basically. He's mm. LAFM and their, their breakfast show guy and ripper bloke. Um, he basically took over all of the local promotion this year and, and drove oh, it really hard. Um, media event in the city on uh, Thursday beforehand, like all the TV was there, all the radio was there. So really, really impressive. The, the Tassie public love their motorsport, Chebex, and, and they got right behind it, which was great. So as a result, good crowd. Weather was great, um, which helped the cause. It was bloody hot on Saturday and everyone got quite sunburnt because it turns out there's no ozone down there at all. <laughs> like, just non-existent. Walk outside, sunburn. It's like New Zealand. Um, but Sunday, a bit of rain overnight, and then Sunday was quite cool. And, um, yeah, really, really good day. Good weekend. And um, there's probably some questions over where that event fits in the calendar moving forward, whether it needs to be the opening round. And, and a lot of competitors, uh, I think, struggle to to make Tasmania work that early in the season. So I think that might be looked at moving forward as to, to whether that event stays where it is or moves later. But um, otherwise, I think it's established itself as a, a good part of the, the the circuit racing landscape down there in Launceston. It's either going to be that. first or last, doesn't it? Because otherwise it's going to be anything no. in between. No, I don't think so. I think no. there's a spot for it. Okay. You, you kind of want as big a field as possible for your first round mm-hmm. and just try and get people to commit to the whole series. You know, obviously the numbers will pick up and, you know, there'll be more TCM cars when you get to Newcastle. And like you said, it's a long time until May, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Until we get to go to Phillip mm-hmm. Island and see the TCRs and the Trans Ams and mm-hmm. S5000s again. S5000s, good racing there in that third race. I was uh, impressed by that. Yeah, they were good all weekend. And, and they were just getting better as they learned the push to pass. Uh, it's the first time they've ever used it on a road course. Um, it, it's still a system that's developing. The, the push to defend as well. Like yeah, which really... is great. It's it's all part of the strategy, um, which, which made it fun, I thought. And yeah, it allowed people like Roberto Mary who got out of position to work their way forward. But I, I like the fact that it never, it was never as um, free kickish as DRS is in F1. It wasn't just push the button and you're going to sail past. Yeah. It was get you alongside into the braking zone or in a position where you can fire it down the inside like Joey Mawson did on Cooper Webster there in that last race. But it was never it was never a just hit the button, sail past. So I think that's good. That Phil, I'm really excited to see what it does at Phillip Island with 30 seconds of it between out of the final corner down to um, turn one. So, so you could basically burn it all in one lap. We could. They'll probably give them more. <laughs> Yeah, more there. I mean, they had 90 seconds for Adelaide per race, 45 for Simmons, but it's also a 48-second lap. So Simmons playing it's been at 25. I would have guessed 60 seconds, maybe a little bit more for those races, if not if not more than that, to give them enough use for it. So, no, it was a, it's a good thing for S5000. That's a great field. Nine cars covered by six tenths in quality. I mean, that, that's as good 
as anything in the sport right now. It just it doesn't have beyond the ten or eleven cars. That's that's the only difference at the moment now with S five thousand. And TCR, uh, obviously Bailey Sweeney with the win. That was a bit of a left field uh, tip there mm. in a pretty stacked field. But it was probably more so the failure of the new Audis that uh, really came to the fore. Yes, and another, <laughs> yeah, really awkward situation, really, and another great sort of motorsport salvage story where um, where they found a local rally, former rally team workshop um, that went and um, were able to weld the input shafts back together and they lasted 10 laps of race yeah. two, unfortunately. Um, but it got them back out there, which was cool, and and friend of the show, Zach Suter, did a really nice job in his private car and, and Will Brown sort of made them all look silly as he carved his way through the field there, but unfortunately was un, unable to finish that race. So yeah, strange one for the new Audis, but they'll bounce back. It's a, it's a known problem in Audi and um, they're working on a solution. It's just those cars are so new here that there's, there's no bits to fix them yet. But like you said, they've got till May till they go racing again. Now they're not at the bath of six hours. So there's time. It's Saturday was a bit of a tough one. If you're a star attraction, because Bowie also <laughs> had to sit, yeah. sit out the Saturday race as well yeah. with a dud engine. Yeah, the good engine pop. Shebeck's another really good story was Cam Tilly. Yeah. Brilliant Valiant Pacer. Um, they had another window front windscreen issue mm. uh, like they did at Bathurst last year, which is really odd. And they put the call out on Facebook. Hey, has anyone got a, a front screen for a Valiant Pacer in Tasmania? And it's not something you'd expect to get a rush of notifications yeah. on, but a local glazier company uh, oh, they had in their possession, the, the the nice lady behind the company had a VG Valiant. No. Still a beautiful car, like not in pieces or anything. This was a running going concern. And she went, yeah, you can take mine. We'll pull the screen out, bring and put it in for you. So they popped the screen out of this lovely VG Valiant, took it to the racetrack and um, plugged it into Cam's car so we could go racing. How good is that? Did they take it back out after the race? I'm not sure, actually. I haven't followed that up. And I've just given my bloody hot away. So, <laughs> but the, the thing was, their, their Facebook absolutely blew up. Yeah. It went nuts. Yeah. So the good karma there played down totally. on social media. Well done. Mm. 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 Uh, good stuff. Sounds like a great weekend. Down in Tassie, I found myself at Phillip Island doing World Superbikes. Great meet. The World I was going to ask, how, yeah, how, how was it? Like crowd, no, it was a really, it was a really good meet. And I won't give my not away. Uh, other than to say that the uh, we, yeah, Super Sport race, second race on the Sunday, absolutely robbed of a, uh, a fantastic finish, and I'll explain a little bit later why. But, uh, no, look, these guys, uh, they're doing 320-325 down Gardner Strait and Phillip Island, so they're as quick as any MotoGP bike hitting down there, and they're as crazy as any MotoGP rider. And mm. as a matter of fact, a lot of MotoGP rider, Moto2, Moto3 riders are making their way into World Superbikes because it's just more accessible, I suppose. And where I've, I've always said, I've never hidden from it, that MotoGP is that sort of that uh, country cousin of Formula One in regards to the way, you know, they have the, the, the riders are able to walk through the crowd and everything sort of more open than it is in Formula One. Well, World Superbikes is even a level down from that again, but that's why the punters love it, I think, because everything is just so accessible. Uh, Pommy guy, I can't remember his name now, Miller, I think it is, who does some interviews. And he runs a whole show in the paddock. So if you get a paddock pass, you can just sit. They've got like this massive marquee where he does interviews with all the riders, uh, World Supersport and World Superbikes. He does interviews with the team, 
managers, he does interviews with officials and, and everything, and then he does quizzes, and it's just a really good and and he basically works from nine in the morning and keeps going right through until five in the afternoon, just mm. doing all this stuff. So they've got it pretty well sussed out. Really impressed with the uh, the World Superbikes, which is run by Dorna. So the, I suppose they know how to put on a motorbike race. How did you go with the surnames, my friend? Yeah, no, okay. Uh, roll roll uh, some I, out. I, well, let me tell you, there was a couple. There was a couple of times when I got a little bit uh, confused. So there was one point where I called them drivers and not riders. Oh, that would have gone down. Uh, well, the bloke that I was commentating with, Mark Brax, who we spoke to last week on the show, the amount of SMSs he got when that actually happened of people saying, "Who is this dickhead? Get him off! <laughs> what does he know?" But apparently, worst of all, and I didn't actually. I don't believe I said it, but I've been told that when I was doing the presentations for the for the Aussie Superbikes on the Sunday afternoon, that apparently I said, ladies and gentlemen, would you please welcome our Australian supercar riders? Oh, so yeah. I've actually got supercar instead of superbikes, but I don't believe I said that because I would have known if I said that. And they would have known if I said it, but it had been said, that I, but no one could prove it to me. Uh, Razgat. Rez Gatlioglu. Nice. Good. Top rack. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, there's a couple there. Uh, Alvaro Batista. Easy one. Easy one. Uh, World Superboard Sport had a couple of rippers. Uh, Nicolo Bulliga. Or Bulliga, I think it was. I'd, uh, I'd go and watch the World Superboards. Can, <laughs> can Anjou. O-N-C-U. And it was Anjou. Oh, yeah. French, is he? No, Spanish, apparently. Oh, oh no. Okay. he's No, actually, he's Turkish. Oh, that'll do it. Yeah, mm. so uh, that, that that was a great story that came out of it too. That uh, top rack rats get rat get. There we go. Gary Hoglu, who is the Turkish <laughs> superbike rider in World Superbikes. Yeah. Before he made his way to Australia, he spent three days in Turkey helping with the rescue efforts. Yeah, uh, right. Uh, from the earthquake and stuff, and was really disappointed that he had to leave. He wanted to really be there mm. with family and the like, and and looking for friends or whatever it may be, but. That was sort of a sad story that came out of it, but a, a lovely story to hear that, you know, he'd taken himself down there and did what he had to do. And yeah, good, good. good. Uh, Phillip Island, great track for motorbikes. Yeah, it, it is. really did, is. Did we work out what the Grand Ridge Brewery is? Oh, yeah. So uh, a bloke. Here we go. Yes. <laughs> so this, this bloke's just a rich bloke. Seriously, he owns Grand Ridge Brewery and he owns, I think, 70 other microbreweries. Hang on, 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 hang Oh, well, no, I didn't actually meet him, but I, I think we... So Grand Ridge Brewery is in Gippsland. And, yeah, it's just a, a brewery that sits in Gippsland. So it's not owned by Lindsay Fox. And this guy literally rang up Phillip Island and said, I've got a lot of cash I want to use to sponsor the Superbikes. Do you want it? And I said, yes, please. So I could probably go and take him back to first week university business studies and economies of scale and <laughs> things like that and consolidation perhaps you know instead of having 70 no. micro breweries you can if just have if one big brewery spend, if you've got it to spend it just spend it what are you going to do with it you can't take it with you <laughs> True. and this guy gets front and center 
uh, at the the presentation. He gets to present the trophies. Last year, apparently, he was taking selfies on the stage and got in big trouble with Dorna for breaking protocol as to how you present the trophies and all this <laughs> sort of stuff. So a lot of interesting stuff. Oh, the good detective work from you. Yeah, thank you. Nice. Very good. Thank you. Oh, excellent. Very good. Uh, yeah, so Superbike's excellent. Uh, what else have we had? We've had Formula One testing in Bahrain. Yeah, probably more meaningful that than the supercar testing at Sydney Motorsport Park, let's be honest. Uh, Red Bull Fast, Ferrari-ish, McLaren not. Mm, Aston nice. Martin looked like the big winners of the off-season well, testing so far. But just uh, Lance Stroll bending his bike, bend his bike, so they got Philippe Dragovic in the car. <laughs> yeah. and a net improvement there. Um, <laughs> that's harsh. Uh, they've got a lot, so they're going to be really good fun this year. Um, yeah, but I think we need to hand it over to our uh, our supercar. I was going to say correspondent, but you're not really, are you? But no. there, there are should back some opinions over last Wednesday's. What? How do we? What do we describe it as? Schmozzle. Schmozzle. <laughs> Well, yeah, there's been a lot said, hasn't there, about, uh, about the most meaningless test day that's ever been run. Yeah, exactly. Mm. That. I feel sorry for poor David Reynolds. He's mm. just he's one of the biggest victims in the history of supercars because uh, <laughs> he's pretty boisterous about uh, the Mustang when it came in 2019, and he's pretty upset with uh, the world at the moment. I mean, then again, he the one time that he did have the fast car was the FGX in 2015, True. and. He got smoked by his teammates then and wound out without a job at the end of the year. But anyway, that's <laughs> neither here nor there, is it? But so, Mark, so what, what, are the, what are the punters saying that they're disappointed that both cars didn't have the opportunity to perform on the same level on the oh, day? No, the thing is that it was wet and dry for starters. So yeah. you, it's but hard you, to get you can't a baseline control that, there. Though. Yeah, you can't control that. And they had three different tyre types available to mm. them. So you could have the super softs through to the... Super hard. So it, it's hard to compare everything when you're running three different compounds and they're all different conditions. And it's a test day and everyone's running their own program. So obviously, some of them did quali sims and big hero laps and they look like heroes. Good on them. So, what do people expect from a test day? Well, exactly. The, the problem is that it's all published and it's out mm. there in the open and everyone's having their say about it. But it, at the end of the day, it's meaningless because you look at what everyone said, you know, some are saying that these. Fords was 60Ks overweight. Mm. They haven't got a baseline weight determined yet. They haven't got the center of gravity weight determined yet because a lot of the little like ancillary things in the cars, like the padding and the cameras and the this and the that, the, the dashboards on the Mustangs haven't been built yet. So they haven't arrived at all the final spec for the cars. Really, at the end of the day, the two things that they've got to get right with this package are the aero mm. and yep. the engines. Everything else is spec. Mm-hmm. We don't want to be talking parody after round three. I guarantee no. you we will be. Oh, 100%, but, but we don't want to be. The problem is there's no point talking about parody now because there's been no apples and no, apples correct. comparison yet mm. because yeah. everyone's running, everyone out there was running a different setup to a different idea of what they're going to do on their test day. So it's absolutely pointless getting all upset at the moment about anything because mm. there's nothing to get upset about until the Chevys go out there and smoke the whole field in Newcastle, then we can start getting upset. But <laughs> supercars have shown that they're willing to fix up their wrongs. When they buggered up the parody with the Mustang and the ZBs, they sorted it out. Yeah. Like it didn't so, actually do anything to change the results back then, mind you, when they brought in the parody against the Mustangs, the Mustangs won the next seven races. So yeah, correct. parody doesn't mean that everyone gets a win. 
too. You got to remember that. No, that's right. Uh, for people that are complaining about the test day, the test day is not there for us. It's there for the teams. It's their test day. They're testing things. They're getting it right. The, but, te- the test day is a show-off day, effective, and especially for this year where people could go and see the new cars. But, but it's, don't it's, expect anything out of it. But it's pitched as a as the like official preseason test where you can and they got a good crowd and they put live time. Yeah, they did. Yeah. And they get live timing up and all of that. So, but but here's the here's how some people work Shebex. So Formula One do live coverage from their testing in Bahrain. Yep. All three days live. Sky Sports F1. Fox took it here. People were complaining that it was boring. <laughs> but testing's the most boring thing in the world. Bingo. Of it is. Exactly. People Don't watch it. Turn it off. It's exactly. But what would happen if they weren't broadcasting testing? And it happened here because yeah. Fox only did the deal to show it here the week of testing. People were complaining that they couldn't watch testing, but then they get fired up. This is my not. I'm going right now. Then they get fired up that they can't watch testing, but then they get annoyed that when they do watch testing, it's really, really, really freaking boring because testing is very, very boring. It just, it grinds my gears, something chronic. Another thing that grinds my gears is all the fair weather sailors out there in supercast land Mm. because we had a wet test day and typically what happens when it's a wet test day, I'll bugger it. We're not going out there. It's a waste of time. And we were told by everyone that it was a waste of time there on Wednesday because they were running the old spec mm-hmm. hard wet tires, which are five seconds off the pace. Great. Mm. Okay. So we're not going to bother. It's too hard. We mm. might, we might bend the car and it's mm. pointless, but what do you know? Triple eight went out there and just banged around all day in the wet, mm-hmm. which is something that they do at QR when it starts raining up there for mm. no good reason on their test days. They don't waste it. They go out there and they form a program around the wet. So whatever triple eight, whatever they've gotten onto with their methodology, it seems to work because they've won 10 drivers <laughs> championships in the last well, few can years. Can I tell you, I? can I tell you that test days are about as useful as warm up sessions at motor racing? We had know, one at Phillip the, Island. The, the... We had one at Phillip Island for super bikes and it rained and two bikes went out in the whole 15 minutes. What was used having a warm up session? The, the thing is, though, the, the test days aren't a waste because, you know, you can no, no. you learn things and you and the things that don't work, you know that they don't work and you never bother wasting time on them on a week, mm. race weekend. But the thing, thing with the wet weather, though, is that you go out there, it's the first time you've had a chance to drive these cars in the wet, you find out if they fog up or if they fill up with water Correct. or they leak like a sieve or the first-year apprentice that did the insulation around the widget <laughs> fills up with water and starts frying because it got wet. Like you find that out by taking it out there in the wet on a Wednesday in Bankstown. Whereas if it starts raining on the grid at Newcastle in the first race and the first time you ever drive in the wet is then, Mm. and then you find out that the widget Mm -hmm. fries, what did you gain by sitting in the shed twiddling your thumbs all morning? Mm. And the first year apprentice has already been sacked for another mistake he made. And you got no one to blame. He's probably dropped out of TAFE by now. Yeah. He's... Well, I think Brad, and we, we touched on this last week that Brad Jones racing has been the best of any team in covering their process with this new car. And and they posted a video the other day of Brad going through what worked and what didn't at the test. They were like, here's the brake rotor. It hasn't worn. It's done a full day. How good. We love it. Awesome. But then the clutch bell housing had, they've got issues with that with cooling. So that's where the test was useful. But I think the yeah. biggest criticism and, and people throwing stones over the fact of, of, of parity and clearly it's not right because they wouldn't have done another set of aero testing if it, if it wasn't, but 
but they don't have a minimum weight, like Mark said. They weren't all running the same specification anyway. So you can learn a little bit out of it. But there's, in terms of a performance base, we, we know nothing, absolutely yeah. nothing about where this field's going to roll out in Newcastle. And if anything, all it does is build the anticipation a little bit exactly. more. Because That's exciting. We go into that race with zero form guide, like utterly no zero form guide, which is awesome. It goes back to what I said last week about Rick Kelly winning three championships for Nissan on the back of yeah. his excellent performances at the test day. Is um, Jack Smith going to finish top five in the championship this year? He's third and fifth in the two sessions there on Wednesday. Oh, but BJR, good at new cars. But <laughs> but it's the test day. Everyone's getting amped up and excited. Yeah, exactly. No one said anything about Jack Smith. I mean, what does that mean? Was mm. he just out there running quality well, runs Jones all day? Too, wasn't he? There you go. Mm. Awesome. Yeah. I hope Jack Smith does go out there and <laughs> yes. bag a couple of top threes in Newcastle. Oh, that stir the pot. Nothing would please me more than Andre Heimgartner winning next weekend. That'd be tremendous. Brad Jones one through four. I'm here Brilliant. for it. Lock it in, Eddie. I wouldn't paratise that. I'd I'd let them. No, keep, that's, that's keep good. That. That's good for the sport. Where do, where do we reckon the teams are at in their head about Newcastle? Are they are there many teams out there absolutely crapping themselves? I think they. Or do they reckon they got it under control? Oh, outwardly, sure, they're all good, but. There, there'll be some stress. There's, I mean, there's not enough spare parts. Yeah. That, that's the that's their biggest worry. If they were starting the championship at Sydney Motorsport Park, even Phillip Island, the bend, they wouldn't be worried because there's much less chance of bananaing a car compared to Newcastle, which is the sketchiest straight circuit on the planet. And the, the other thing too, it's all good and well banging around Sydney Motorsport Park, Winton, mm. QR to an extent. What relevance are any of those tracks to a goat track at Newcastle mm. with the concrete walls and manhole covers and gutters and everything else that's going on there? Mm. There's not much relevance at all to it. It's going to be its own little beast and they've got three 45-minute sessions on Friday to sort that out. And the, the funny thing for mine is, so we go from Newcastle to the Grand Prix. Different again. So we go from Newcastle, the tight, technical, bumpy, narrow street circuit to the most open-flowing wide expanse of racetrack in the country in Albert Park. Like, and neither of them are atypical of what our racetracks are that we generally race on in supercars. So we're not going to know. Where's round three? Is that Simmons? May? After Grand Prix? I can't remember. Yeah. Anyway, there's been, been, three or been, four. there's been a bit going on. So it, it won't be till we get to places like that and... You know, you want a ruse of the world and even Sydney Motorsport Park that we actually get a real form guide of of what these things are like because the first two events are just so opposite polarising ends of the spectrum in terms of the racetracks we go to. And the good thing is, too, you used to lob up to Simmons Plains and you go over to Barber Gallic. Well, they're triple act tracks. Mm. They're not triple act tracks anymore. No, Everyone's mm. got the same piece of mm -hmm. kit. And that's the thing I like about this year is that there's no excuses. You've got all these people out there. So, oh, you know, Chaz and Adam DeBoro, pretty good. Mm. Cam Waters, pretty good. Mm. They have no excuses this year. Yeah. The, you know, the excuse in the past, oh, they don't have a triple eight car. Mm. Doesn't wash anymore. Everyone's got the exact same bit of kit. And if they're good enough, they can make it work. The interesting but, thing for mine, Chebex, just to put yeah. a full stop on this point, is if we go to the first couple of rounds and after three rounds, it's SVG leading. But then Mustangs two, three, four, five, six, seven. Do we have a parity problem? 
Uh, you have a driver parity problem, I think. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You've got one driver that's too good and the rest just aren't mm-hmm. good enough. Uh, Perth after Albert Park and then Tassie after that. Well, that seems like needlessly complicated logistics, doesn't it? Oh, just... <laughs> Flyaway <laughs> rounds. <laughs> Flyaway rounds. <laughs> oh. mm, okay. Yeah, well, there yeah. you go. So so Wanneroo is going to give us a pretty good indication. That'll be good fun. Yeah. Bang some super so- softs on them over at Perth on Fantastic. the chase grader. Fantastic. Bring it on. Here for it. Very much so. Uh, what else are we talking about? Any... Oh, I think we've covered the, covered the spectrum. NASCAR? Oh, what happened in NASCAR? I didn't watch it. Oh, I did. Mm. Yeah, I, was, I know. Was, was I would expect you did. That companion. Yeah. Um, <laughs> win at first third startup for Richard Childress Racing, Kyle Bush. That was a, a big result. Obviously, the big transition over from the powerhouse at Joe Gibbs last year where he kind of battled, but... Mm three events this year and three events where he's looked very much in contention and he absolutely sealed the deal um, on the weekend there. So he's back at Chevy and he was popular. People cheered him. They'd stopped booing him. So that was big. Um, big that he's won a race 19 seasons in a row. Think about that for a moment. Good stat. And also think about him and his brother, Kurt. They are now the winningest brothers passing the Allison brothers. Wow. In the history of NASCAR. So uh, some big mm. stats falling there. But um, early season, Cole Bush looks mm. pretty solid. And uh, yeah, Fontana there. It's um, 60 Ks west of downtown LA and it snowed. <laughs> Crazy, isn't it? They, the they lost Saturday the running because it was snowing. Good luck. Yeah. Good luck. All right. <laughs> I'm going, lots. hang on. I'm going to Phillip Island this weekend. Oh, you are too. Yes. Uh, the first round of Porsche Michelin Sprint Challenge Australia Series, the oh, second tier Porsche I am, Championship. I am too. Oh, you my, ticket, too. my ticket just oh, arrived. Good news. Yeah, beauty. I haven't got mine yet. That's a concern, isn't it? Um, so that's going to be really good fun. Looking forward to that. Uh, it's a great championship, Chebex, this year. A lot of young drivers coming into it. There are 17 Porsche juniors in the Excellent. Michelin Junior program this season. And uh, I think eight of them are in Sprint Challenge. So Three great. classes too, Richard? Yeah, three classes. Uh, so Ronan Murphy, son of Greg, is racing, which is cool. Marcus Flack, son of Damien Flack. Uh, Zach Stitchbury, who's the son of the late Ashley Stitchbury, who's a bit of a Kiwi motor racing legend. Uh, Marco Giltrap, who is the grandson of Sir Colin Giltrap, legendary motoring figure in New Zealand. Uh, and uh, the list goes on. There's some other ones. Young Caleb Sumich from McElroy, Lucky Bloxham's back, Harrison Goodman's back. Uh, yeah, it's a crackingly good field. There's there's probably 10 of these young kids that could win races this season. So it's going to be a really good championship to watch, and all of the coverage will be free on YouTube via our good friends at Blendline TV. Yeah, really uh, quite a good race meeting. New South Wales Super Sports kicking off their season in Phillip Island, which seems quite south for New South Wales. Uh, <laughs> very, very South Wales. Well, on that, the opening round of the New South Wales State Motor Racing Championship is, is on Winton? this weekend at Winton. Oh, clearly. <laughs> As you do, yes. of course. Uh, Victorian Sports Car Series, so a fair bit of GT action going on there. BMW E30s. Uh, Hyundai XL is big field of them, which is going to be pretty exciting. And of course, you can't enter the circuit. So I uh, don't know. You can't go. Don't, 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 don't bother going. Attempt. No. Um, but you can watch it on Blendline. Yeah. So what? that's it's the only way you can catch it, yeah. to be honest. Is what was that? You can't go to the circuit. No, there's not no no spectator access, Shebex. Really? Yeah. This is correct. Okay. Yep. Uh, hot to knots, boys. 
Seemed like an opportunity. Probably not. It was a good, good race meeting. <laughs> Probably sell some tickets for that, you would have thought. But yeah. anyway, maybe, you know, week after Supers, no one wants to go. Anyway, uh, hots and knots. Hots, my hot will be, I have to go my, my one of my favourite categories in S5000. Oh, a really good show on the weekend and a very, very deep and competitive field. And I touched on it before with six, uh, six tenths covering the top nine in qualifying and thousands in it at the front. Really, really good racing, and and I think that category is finally maturing to where we we all believe it can be. A couple more cars would be really nice, but it, it's going to be a really good championship this year, the Gold Star. And um, some people gave it really good coverage on the weekend, which was awesome. So really uh, looking forward to round two there at Phillip Island next, and and they'll be awesome around there. They're good fun to watch and and watch out for the the lap record chasing there, which will be good fun. So that's that's my generic hot. And just with on top of that is just how good is Joey Mawson? Like if that bloke, so he he should get the premier higher co-drive, right? So he was up there testing at Queensland Raceway today as we talk. Um, if if he doesn't get given the super license, there's no point trying to go and race supercars. Mm. Full stop. The that people a, that didn't give a good coverage, do they know they didn't? There's a bit of a mic drop there. Yeah. Mm. 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 Yep. Mm. Mark? Next. Uh, hot. Uh, the Rally Retro Festival. Oh, Next yeah. They, there's some good photos out of that. Yeah, hell yeah. Uh, I've just just rolled up to it because I was quasi aware that it was a thing that happened. And you roll in there and it's WRC car, WRC car, WRC car, Brock's around Australia car, Brock's around Australia car. Holy smokes, what a thing. The the cars there were just sensational. And even some of the ones that don't necessarily have the big pedigree that you'd be absolutely aware of, you know, be a BDA escort driven at a thousand tenths, mm. and it was mega or Dados or whatever, Peugeots, all sorts of kit. It was just the most incredible day. Set up in a little super special day stage at the Meetech Driver Training Centre up at Bayswater North. And um, what an absolute thing. Um, lots of famous people there. Neil Bates was there flogging around and missing corners and <laughs> spraying everyone with shrapnel. It was just brilliant. And so it sort of leaves in leads into a bit of a quasi knot that's not my knot was the fact that nobody knew about it. You know, mm. We posted on the race talk and everyone's like, I live 10 minutes from there. And I had no <laughs> idea. We, you should have heard the turbos banging about. Mm. I mean, that was a dead giveaway mm. that anyone north side yeah. of Melbourne should have heard so, that. But... It's a normal weekend up in Dandenong area. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. Probably true. But um, if they promoted that, they'd get 10,000 people there because it was just awesome. And I'm sure they'd get more awesome cars out of the woodworks too. So uh, keep an eye out for the Rally Retro Festival. There's a bit of a gallery up there in the race talk of some of the different bits of kit that were going around, but um, it was 10 bucks to get in. Mm. Like it was value plus. It was 20 bucks per car. So uh, really good day out there. And I hope it kicks on to become a, a much bigger thing than it currently is. And currently the baseline's right there. They just need mm. to uh, put a bit of love behind it and I'm sure they'll sell some tickets. My hot is motorbike racing at Phillip Island. It <laughs> is. It has to be one of the best tracks in the world for bikes to go to. The closeness of the racing when, especially in the Aussie uh, Super Sport, the 300, the Aussie Super Sport 300, which is sort of like an old 125 class, I suppose. But these guys were coming from 12th up to 1st. The amount of uh, 
slingshotting that they were getting and all that sort of stuff it was just amazing. So just watching bikes again. And Phillip Island as a track is just a fantastic track. I don't know why we well, – I, I sort of do know, but I just wish we had supercars back there because it's a really – it really is a great track to watch. How many, and commentating from the top of the tower mm-hmm. is – is not the best, the best country box in the country, in the world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How many punters do you reckon you had there? Did it look decent? You know what, Mark? It it was decent, but I reckon they would have loved more. But I think what happened was because they had the final round of the World Superbikes last year due to COVID, and then that was only fourteen weeks ago, mm. and then they've rocked up with the first round this year. Money's tight, all that sort of stuff, and I think people have probably thought, well, well I went there. Three months ago, do I really want to go again? Nah, don't worry about it. And I reckon that probably hurt them. But the the first race of the season's cool. It's been there since two thousand and nine as the first race, apart from the COVID years. So that's where it needs to be, and it's just a great track. Well, that leads nicely, Shebex. It's almost like we planned it, which we didn't because we don't plan no. anything. Um, that leads nicely into my knot, which is the Australian Motor Racing Calendar this year it is stupid <laughs> just the way the dates have landed the lightness yeah. of the dates and where people are having to pull race meetings to make them work is insane it, it, it it's the first time i mean it happened last year but we're still you know COVID affected but you know porsche sprint challenge shouldn't have to go to a closed event at with the full credit to Pyark, and i'm not having a crack at them it's a club level race meeting. A national championship shouldn't be racing there, because, but they had to because there was nowhere else for them to go yeah. that worked from a calendar point of view. And there wasn't enough collaboration between all the various parties to make it all work properly. So, for instance, Touring Car Masters raced last weekend. They had nine cars, Shebex. Terrible. Yeah. But they're going to Newcastle in a week's time from now. So if you're Cam Tilly and you're dragging your car across the country on the back of a trailer, that's an enormous commitment to do those two race meetings in three weeks. Yeah. Let alone the fact one of them's on a straight circuit, which are always pretty brutal. So, and and it, it's it's rough, Shebex. And then Superbike slap in the middle of it um, as an, an international event on the motoring stage as well. It, it, it's This year's calendar is the most challenging from a logistical point of view that I've seen in 15 odd years of working full-time in this sport. And it is. So Richard, to throw something out to you then in regards to how we could fix this, do we need motorsport Australia to have more contact with the calendars? Do we, uh... do we need them to be like the official adjudicator to an extent and look at all the calendars and say, well, hang on guys, these two dates don't work. You shouldn't be clashing there. And yeah, I understand that it's all to do with they, all the tracks and they've all got their dates and all that sort of stuff. But do we need an adjudicator, a mediator here? Well, they, they, they don't really have that power, mate. That's It's up to the various series to set their own dates and do the deal. So Supercar set the date for Newcastle. It is what it is. Everyone works around that. But I, it just it, it it's not one person's fault or one organization's fault. It's just the way it's all worked this year for whatever reason. And mm. I, I think there's about 50 but it, it is the most challenging. I mean, you just said it before. Supercars after the Grand Prix go to Wanneroo and then back yeah. to Tasmania. Yeah. This, this doesn't make sense, does it? And surely no. you do. The and then up to Darwin after that. that. Yeah. It, so it's um, it's a, it's a really challenging calendar, Shebex. And it's, it's not the first instance this year where you will see a major national category running on a club level event because it's the only one they can get on. 
So yeah, challenges. That's why not this year. And and I think it exposed. It was exposed on the weekend with the grid sizes because it, it legitimately hurt some categories because of everything else that's going on. But yeah, it's the sort of thing you have a year like this, and everyone goes, "Oh, well, that was rubbish. We'll never do that again." You mm. crack your coconuts together, and you come up with a better solution mm. for next year, mm. isn't it? Mm. Yeah. Mark, you're not. Why not? Why not? Uh, Fontana NASCAR, mm. the last race on the Auto Club Speedway, as we know it, the two-mile track that Roger Penske built in 1997. They never bothered to repave it in its entire life, wow. so. It was a really gritty old buggered racetrack, but it made really good racing in the mm. end. There was a lot of years when it was pretty rubbish, but by the end, the track surface itself was just garbage and it actually produced really good racing because it was so bumpy and awful. You Hasn't know, been resurfaced for 53 years. 1997. 1997. Oh, 97. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. Well, that, yeah, that would have been absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> um but nascar uh bought that back in in-house sort of thing it's under the nascar banner these days uh they sold off 80 percent of the block for 544 million us dollars think about that for a moment half a billion dollars back mm. in the kitty oh. they've kept uh, a portion of it which i believe is uh around the grandstand the main straight area where they plans are afoot to sort of turn that into a half mile short circuit something between a martinsville and a bristol with a bit of banking in there and still have a nascar presence over on the west coast because it's mm. still one of the biggest markets in american sport and they want to have a have a, a footprint there but um it'll be a, at least a couple of years before they get all that um up and running but uh a shame you know by the end you know the track was racing really well the the downside is they were either going to have to repave it mm. And it would have been rubbish again for 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> or they sold off most of the property for $544 million, mm. which yeah. is good good money. You, you can't pass that up. And being torn down, it will forever be the fastest racetrack in the world. Yep. Gilles Deferrin still holds the closed course record for the, the quickest lap in a racing car on a closed circuit in the history of all motorsports in uh, the Team Penske Champ Car 2001. Amazing. Fontana Racetrack sounds like somewhere where Fonzie would have raced. You fly over it coming Back in the LAX. happy days. Um, she's a big old joint out there. Yeah. Mm. But, you know, think of the IndyCar races there. There's mm. some ridiculous sketchy. sketchy. Oh, races. hang on. I, I know the one. Is that, so is that actually when you're heading when you're heading east from Los Angeles? Yep. Yeah. You fly over it? Yeah. Ah, okay. Yeah. I have seen yeah. it. Big, in the big oval. Mm. Yeah. But, you know, Greg Moore there too. Yeah, you know, like yeah. there was so many pertinent mm. moments in the history of the sport and uh, it's going to go under a bulldozer. There you go. Uh, my not, folks, take down this website, cullthecapebarrengeese.com.au. I'm starting a petition very shortly to have every freaking bird at Phillip Island shot, apart from the penguins. They're okay. Can you believe that Australia hosts an international race at Phillip Island, an amazing track, and the World Supersport race, second biggest category in World Superbikes, Supersport, international race gets cut short by five laps due to the fact we had two geese up the top of turn 11 wanting to cross into the middle. Red flagged the race. Three bikes were within half a second of each other the absolute public of the world were robbed 
of an amazing finish to a motorbike race because two bloody geese wanted to walk across the track. You haven't thought this through. Seriously. You, you, you cull the geese, then the penguins will take over. <laughs> and then you'll cull the penguins, and then probably the tiger snakes will take over because mm. there's tiger snakes. So the question the is, where the hell is Cape Barron? Obviously, they've been imported birds. They're like rabbits, these now, things. I have been attacked by Cape mm. Barron geese before, but I did find out that kryptonite is mountain bikes. <laughs> they don't like mountain bikes riding at them. Obviously, MotoGP bike, that's fine. No drama. But a mountain they were going to cross whether the bikes were going or not. If they were out there on their mountain bike, they would have skedaddled. I guarantee can you. I, can I give a suggestion to the people at Pyark? Can we have like a big tray of food just sitting on the edge of the fence so they go and eat it and don't actually worry about crossing during race time. Are they are they there for food or just public nuisance? Well, they they no know idea. what they're doing. They were there for TV times out during supercars. I know that for a fact. But that was a menace. And Australia has to be the laughing stock of the international motor racing world when kangaroos run across Bathurst and Cape Barren geese stop superbike races at Phillip Island. No other track in the world is inundated by animals. Huh. There's one in country New South Wales that gets the occasional kangaroo. Yeah, but no, but I'm talking about in the world. Australian tracks, yes, I understand. But no other country in the world has a motor racing track. Was it right? America had a moose. It was a deer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, didn't yeah, didn't Circa... Cristiano D'Amato hit a deer? Clocked yeah. him. Yeah. A deer is bigger than a Cape Barren goose. Jacques Villeneuve's dad's track in Canada doesn't have bears running across it. Might. <laughs> <laughs> you, you don't hear of those <laughs> casualties. A bunch of rogue Canadian bears. <laughs> <laughs> Jack I was filthy. Imagine if you haven't, if you haven't got it, I was filthy. Uh, that's a good knot. I like it. That's good. Excellent. Well, we'll, Carl It's coming soon. We'll, we'll investigate what other animals of the world invade. Oh, that's got TRT feature written all over it, doesn't that's, it? Yeah. That's our wheelhouse. Can we please yeah. do that? That is our wheelhouse. Uh, speaking of next week's show, we will power rank uh, all of the supercars liveries. Oh. So jump jump on the socials at the race talk on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and let us know your hots and knots. Of that, we'll put a post up at some point uh, and let us know what you like and dislike. Mark and I went through them today, Shebex, and we've yep. got a we got a rough pecking order. Mm. Change though, there's still one livery that hasn't been released, but believe it or not, the one black car right now with no livery whatsoever actually is not last. Well, no, because it's, it's metallic no, black, the, and you the, like that. No, well, no, but it's not. We both agreed it's not last. You, you can you can do crimes against liveries, as it turns out. Yeah, you can. I'd yeah. be very surprised if the monster car wasn't in your top three. In my top personal top yeah. three. Yeah. Mm. Was it? Right. I can't Was remember. Mm. Actually, it's right here. No, no, no. That's fine. There were... <laughs> Save it for next uh... week. No, it wasn't. Mm, it wasn't. It wasn't. Oh. oh. Yeah. It could, but look, next week's a long way away. Anyway. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, right, so boys, get on the socials. Have a great weekend down to Philip Island, my friend. I know I did last week. Blendline TV. Join the rush. Don't, don't go there. Catch it all. Uh, you have a great weekend down there too, Mark. Glad you got your uh, pass. Yeah, I'm very proud of myself. Thank you, Tony. <laughs> and I will catch you all next week. Thanks for joining us right here on The Grid.